Hello, I'm Adam Davis, and this is the Three Bozos Podcast with my two other bozos, Bashar. What's up? And Victor. Hello. That weird music you heard at the beginning was the theme song of the new Don't Swim show, The Smiling Friends. The main premise of the show revolves around the Smiling Friends Company, owned by Mr. Boss, and with the help of his four trusty employees, Charlie, Pim, Glep, and Alan, their goal is to help people smile, hence the name. The show mainly focuses on Charlie and Pim, a dynamic duo never seen before, and their wacky adventures. So far, the show has received hundreds of positive views throughout the world, has caught many viewers' eyes with its clever comedy, references, and dark humor. Michael Cusack and Zach Hadel, the creators of Smiling Friends, have shown the new age of humor on television, which can be derived from the internet. With humble beginnings, a decent-sized animators on YouTube, known for their absurd animated shorts, Michael Cusack and Zach Hadel first followed each other on Twitter after getting an appreciation for each other's animations. One day, they were given the chance to bring their talents to, to TV through Adult Swim. Besides short animations on YouTube from over the years, Michael and Zach haven't really revealed much about the opportunity they were given to air smiling friends on TV. Even when you try to dig about their lives, there isn't much to find. But regardless, the show they've created is creative and hilarious. Both Zach Hadel and Michael Cusack pretty much have stated that the show has no clear meaning and is simply just supposed to be stupid on purpose, which is well accommodated by the unique animation style of the show. Uh, the first episode actually starts with a dancing alien on the TV in a smiling friend's office, and a tall, red, lanky, serious working character, Alan, who is looking for his piece of cheese. Alan ends up finding a hole in the office walls, and at first finds a man living in the walls, watching something that he's trying to hide on his computer. After the strange altercation, Alan finds what stole his cheese, a blibly, a tiny purple creature that is scared and ends up stabbing him with the paperclip. Soon after, Alan is led to a sect in which thousands of Bliblies are released and wreak havoc in the office. While that was happening, Mr. Boss calls Charlie and Pim to give them a task of helping a kid who has fallen on, on hard times. Upon arriving at the kid's house, Pim can't contain his love for helping children. I love helping kids. I love kids, Charlie. I love kids. Uh, Pim, I, I would really not be uh, screaming that at the top of your lungs. It turns out, though, the kid is actually a middle-aged man named Desmond, whose wife and kids left him, and even his dog died of heartbreak last summer. He thinks he has no reason to live and is now suicidal. When Pim and Charlie enter the room, they find Desmond with a revolver aimed at his head. Initially, Charlie sees Desmond as a lost cause, but Pim convinces him to try and show Desmond the good things in life. At first, they go to Pim's family in an attempt to show Desmond how great family is. Instead, Pim's family is shown to be extremely dysfunctional, with an alcoholic dad, a sister that hates him, and a deadbeat brother. We even see his younger brother crawling in between holes in the walls. Since Pim's family did not help Desmond to try going to Daveland for a fun time, after riding the roller coaster, Desmond does feel temporarily happy. But as he mentions, what's the point of life if the only good moments are temporary distractions from pain and suffering? Before Desmond pulls the trigger, though, Charlie says we have to finish up some paperwork at the office, then he can do what he has to do. 
When they get to the office, the Blibleys have already overrun the office and crucified Alan, who just wanted his cheese. Desmond shoots one in self-defense with the revolver he had pointed at his head, and gets his awakening. The show then cuts to Desmond, happy to own a Blibly extermination business. This is simply the pilot of the show, which just like any other pilot, introduces what the show is like. For Smiling Friends, the viewer immediately can see what ridiculousness the show has to offer, with absurd and dark humor in essentially every episode. That keeps the viewer engaged and laughing throughout the entire season. Charlie is a good representation of a lot of people in the younger generation. They're lazy and don't seem to care. He gives up too easily, especially on Desmond. He doesn't seem to even try throughout the entire season, which ends up leading to his death. Pin is an overly optimistic character who is almost annoyingly positive. He always tries to sound happy and always tries to keep his chin up. Unfortunately, he is an easy egg to crack and can be broken from that optimism, which we see multiple times throughout the season. This is all probably due to his dysfunctional family where he tries to do better but is still mentally harmed. Mr. Boss is an odd character in the show. He is always seen doing something weird and talks in a strange manner. He is always happy and believes in his trusty workers. When the scene is in his office, it's pure black, plays ominous music, and only shows the characters in whatever Mr. Boss is doing, like sitting at his desk or playing video games. With that being said, Mr. Boss is considered one of the more controversial characters, or like, has some of the more offensive stuff to him. Uh, do you think the topics in the show are considered offensive? Um... I think some of them are, but the show does a a good job of playing them off, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not really trying to take itself too serious. And I think that's a good thing. This episode really uses randomness and absurdity for its humor and doesn't really depend on anything else except its ability to catch you off guard. Like a horde of uh, purple blobs crucifying Alan, Mr. Boss breast uh, feeding a baby and the children running around in Pim's house. In the next episode, there's a guy named Sherp, who's an actual shrimp. His girlfriend left him, which put him in a really bad state. So the smiling friends, Charlie and Pim, are called to the scene to help him out. Upon entering his apartment, it's immediately clear that Shrimp is a shut-in that rarely ever leaves his home, demonstrated by his obsession with the game Mouse Quest, as he announces to our dynamic duo that he got to level 987413, and him burning up when Charlie opens up his drapes, letting in sunlight. Excuse me, heavens. Uh, will women be attracted to you? Let's start by getting some sunlight in here. Ah! Okay, oh, sorry. Okay, we'll start. Charlie tries to boost Shrimp's self-esteem, while Pim tries to get his so-called ex-girlfriend Shrimpina back with him. First, Charlie brings Shrimp to get new clothes, in which Shrimp comes out looking like he's going to tell Charlie not to come to school tomorrow. How do I look, yellow man? You look like you're about to tell your friend not to come to school tomorrow. Next, Charlie brings Shrimp to get a tan, in which Shrimp is literally fried by the tanning bed, and a random dude takes a bite out of him. When Charlie asks Shrimp why he didn't stand up for himself, Shrimp says he's simply too scared of confrontation. I am too scared of confrontation. Second time, Charlie lashes towards it to take Shrimp to the gym to become a total alpha. He tells Shrimp to do a 100-pound squat. When an old gym rat comes up and tells Shrimp his form is wrong and tries to explain the correct way, Charlie says to ignore him and just squat. Shrimp is then totally crushed. <laughs> During Charlie's attempt at boosting Shrimp's confidence, Pim was busy trying to get Shrimpina to go to dinner at Spaghetti Disco. Pim enters what he thought was the correct coffee shop 
and is brought by a young lady who he thinks is Shrimpina. He then tries to tell Shrimpina that he has a secret admirer and that he would like to get go on a blind date to Spaghetti Disco. Shrimpina first flirts, Shrimpina flirts with him a little, which causes him to throw all over the floor. I do believe in destiny. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I, I think I just had a bad batch of worms earlier. Um, well, all right. Uh, Tim goes home and dreams about Shampina, falling in love after seeing her. He oversleeps only to be woken up by Charlie asking if Shampina wants to go back with Shrimp. Tim lies and says no. He can go on a date himself. Tim goes to Spaghetti Disco with Shampina, where he uh, realizes that Shrimp and Charlie are there, with drunk Charlie roasting Shrimp while Shrimp is crying. He decides to do the right thing and tries to reunite Shrimpino with Shrimp. Everyone's surprised. The woman doesn't even, doesn't even recognize Shrimp because it was never really Shrimpino all along. It turns out all fine and dandy though because apparently the woman, now we know as Jennifer, is into four or six shrimps with receding hairlines that do nothing with their lives but play mouse quest. Shrimp's character is a common representation of shut-ins who struggle to make social connections and get out of their comfort zones. But he also shows resilience and shows that there's love out there for anyone if they try hard enough. In the next episode, Charlie and Tim are hungry after seeing a movie. So Charlie says they should go to the restaurant Salty's, which is right down the street from the theater. When they enter Salty's, a TV display shows the founder, uh, Simon S. Salty, talking about how he built Salty's with his funny mascot friends. He also is talking about how a lot of food had to be removed from the menu due to the FDA tracking it to 15, four, 15 deaths in the last four months alone. Charlie expresses his frustration with restaurants doing this healthy food thing when they're meant to be greasy and unhealthy. Charlie goes up to order two salty delights for him and Pim, but the mascot, Ketchup, says they removed it from the menu. This prompts Charlie to force his way into the back to speak with Salty, even though it's during his iconic 7pm. To everyone's surprise, Salty has been murdered. They call the police, but apparently the department had to do some budget cuts and no longer deal with murder cases. Apparently now it's the job of the smiling friends that do the investigations. Ketchup says the only people there were him and all the other mascots, which include Mustard, salt and pepper Crazy Cup, and the Fun Twins. Charlie and Pim start interviewing them each but one by one. They start with Ketchup, who claims he would never kill the godfather to his children. Salt and Pepper were asked where they were at the time of Salty's death, and they were just kissing all day and draining out the soda machine. Pim interrogates Crazy Cub, who claims he could not have killed Salty because he was still busy cleaning his doo-doo feces out of his mascot costume. The Fun Twins literally speak gibberish, and aren't of any use at all, yet Pim could somehow interpret what the, um, what the imagery they are saying. Charlie thinks any of the mascots could have killed Salty. And so Pim ends up finding a secret room in Salty's office where the sentry egg was locked away. The sentry egg makes a deal with Pim and Charlie if they agree to bury him in his hometown of Jingping Chinese Forest. He will show them his security tape which will show who, who actually killed Salty. Yeah, we will definitely go to China to bury you, man. Oh, no, 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 not that one. No, 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 other drawer, other drawer. Oh, I'm sorry. Charlie and Pim gather the mascots to see who really killed Salty. It turns out that the ketchup stabbed Salty during his nap at 7.18pm. At 6.59, Salt and Pepper also killed Salty. At 6.36, Crazy Cup also murdered Salty. 
At 612, the Fun Twins also killed Salty. And at 555, Mustard also killed Salty. How many people killed this guy? It turns out Salty died of a heart attack from eating his last burger before transitioning to healthy food. So no one really killed him. The mascots believe they are free and escape the restaurant and go full purge, burning buses and mugging people. In the post credits, it shows Charlie, Pim, Alan, and Glep burning the century egg in China. But Charlie digs him back up because Pim said he's never tasted a century egg before. The animation style. How do you think the show uses different types of animation in order to intrigue its audience? Um, I think it's like a, a virtual form of abstract art. You know, the, the different styles that it uses from live action to, to um, stop motion, hand-drawn animation. It's really beautiful. And I think it, it, it's a weird, it, it has weird combinations, but it really meshes well. Mm-hmm. It's finally Christmas Eve, and the smiling friends are getting ready to get off of work. But Mr. Boss has one more job for them, to go chop down a Christmas tree. Charlie is not too happy about this, and just wants to get the job done. Pim complains to Charlie that he barely does much anyway, and criticizes his attitude. Do you think Mr. Boss was made to reflect real-life bosses? Um, in a way, because, you know, boss, b- bosses aren't really that positive, like how he is. So, uh, he's, he's more of a play on, like, consumerism and capitalism and all that. Since Charlie takes it personally, he decides to cut down the tree they find himself. But he does it dangerously and ends up getting crushed and dying by a said tree falling on him. He finds himself in hell, but the fire is fake and something seems off. Charlie is introduced to his form of hellish entertainment, Jeremy, and then simply leaves his hell cell. And this is Jeremy, your only form of hellish entertainment! <laughs> Dude, if you do that again, I'm gonna punch you, I'm not kidding. Afterwards... Charlie finds his grandma, who apparently is there because she said the word damn in 1958 after her husband was shot and killed by a burglar. His grandma tells him where Satan's lair is, and then she sucks on a lollipop. It shows Charlie going through lava and demons to traverse himself to Satan's lair. Jeremy attempts to spook Charlie again, but Charlie punches him. Okay, I'm almost there. I think the biggest surprises are behind me. Dude, I warned you. I said I was going to do that if you did that again. He answers to see Satan playing Rust and being on Discord on his dual monitor setup. What's up? DoorDash comes in and they forget Satan's straw, which agitates Satan. Satan begins to complain about how he's overworked and doesn't get paid until the end of his job, which is eternity. He never gets paid. Charlie notices that the bad habits that Satan has acquired and tries to give him advice since his job is to help people smile. Satan is pissed at this and takes a hit of his vape, proving Charlie's point. Alright, see, look, like right there, that's a good example. You're avoiding the situation by taking a hit off that vape pen. Satan begins to torture Charlie. Jeremy is also punched Charlie, but then a miracle happens. God, who's voiced by Gilbert Gottfried, comes to hell to save Charlie from literal hell and sends him back to Earth. And last off, do you think uh, bringing 
God and Satan in the same episode was like a good idea? Or is that like, is that a funny thing to you? Um, I I think they played off really pretty well. You know, they they um they fight the the typical you know God and Satan relationship. You know, Satan's portrayed as just some regular dude who's going through depression. So I think that's pretty funny. He's like on a he's on a Discord server. In fact, he's pretty hilarious. Well, anyways, uh, that's all we got from our good friend Jose today. Thank you for your time. The show does an outstanding job at keeping its audience engaged. It has a nice, colorful, but not eye-soaring palette. The main, the four main characters are drawn in the same blobby art style that don't really have any similar figure, which makes the characters more unique. Some characters, like Mr. Boss, have an odd, cartoony, but uncomfortably detailed character trait. Sometimes the characters will even be 3D-generated, like 3D Squoten and Satan. And Salty himself is literally just a guy edited into the show. Another way the audience is hooked is in the fact that they use random humor and some jokes that are used throughout the episode, causing the audience to see what strange thing will happen next, and also what wacky character that our duo must help next, and how they must tackle the problem. The humor in the show is like any comedy. It's subjective. The biggest and easiest way to make someone laugh is catching them off guard. Like Desmond's mom shouting at him and knocking on his door out of nowhere. Or when Jeremy, when Charlie, got all the surprises behind him. Another recurring theme in the humor is the rule of three, which is actually very common in comedies. But if we don't think about it, we'd never really realize it. Something happens three times, and the third time's the punchline. We see Jeremy shows up three times. When Charlie is walking up Satan's door, we see two buried heads. Tell Charlie to give up, and the third one doesn't really know what to say. And DJ Spit is going into a rampage happens three times as well. The next type of humor used is a callback. We see at least one every episode. When Jeremy does the weird sound, Charlie threatens to punch him, and when Jeremy shows up and scares Charlie, he punches him. In the nihilistic episode, the Renaissance men are coming to town, and at the end of the episode, the Renaissance men show up and fire arrows at Grimm and Gnarly. The last type of humor is a strange humor. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. The best characters for this type of humor is Mr. Boss. He's intended to make you uneasy. The creators say that there was no intention to send a message, but you can still take something out of the show. The prime examples of this are Desmond and Satan. Desmond portrays the mindset of a suicidal individual in a comedic but not insulting manner. He is miserable looking and always has that revolver pointed to his head, but in no way does the show attempt to make suicidal people feel bad for how they feel. In fact, if you could take anything from the episode, it's that even though you feel all is lost and there's no reason you should keep going, you should still continue towards the pursuit of happiness. Satan is also an easy person to take a message from because he suffers from the same problem a lot of Americans suffer from today. A lack of motivation. He doesn't want to do his job because it makes him feel unhappy. So he avoids it with temporary happiness like eating junk food, playing video games, and vaping. When he's confronted with these problems, he gets upset and tries to avoid the person telling them that it's a problem. 